0: I'll be looking at Acts chapter number 4 this morning, Acts chapter 4 that song we sang on Christ the solid rock I stand, there's a lot of truth I mean, there's so much truth in that aren't there, you know, if you are standing on anything else, you are standing on sinking sand, aren't you you know, if you're standing on your bank account you could lose it all right if you're standing on your church membership, you're yes. in a mess, right? Yes. You know, there's, uh, if you're standing on who gets elected, <laughs> you're <been> in trouble, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you are definitely in a mess. But you know, if you're standing on your health, that's right, Tom, huh? I tell you what, it's failing, but if you're standing on Christ, he will always be there, always stand uh, for you. We're going to be looking this morning in Acts chapter number 4. Last week, we uh, last week we were in Acts chapter number 3. Very good. I want to make sure I was uh, had to get my notes right. I I don't know. I had it up and then I did something all good. But uh, last week in Acts chapter 3, we looked at cha- we looked at the change at the church, and we saw how Peter and John were on their way to the temple, and, cry, uh, and through the name of Jesus, the lame man was healed. And we, uh, at that time, we saw that that the church was changed by the power of Jesus. What Jesus did there through Peter and John changed everything that was happening there at the church that the church was changed through the praise because of what Jesus had done. But everyone, when he started shouting and praising God, the whole church, everyone came from the temple to see what was happening. And then we saw that the, the church was changed through the preaching about Jesus. Peter stood up and he began to preach. And it's, uh, the reason I want to review that is because... From that point here where we're at in chapter four really is just a continuation of what happened there in chapter four. When Peter began to preach and the whole church was stirred up, then we'll see what happens here in chapter chapter four. And so we'll start with chapter four in the in chapter four. We're gonna look at the cost of Of following Christ. And so many people today. And so many preachers today. Want to preach about. Well if you'll just. Give God a little something. He'll bless you immensely. I tell you what. God will bless you immensely. But. God's blessings for us at times. May not be. Prosperity. That the world sees. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that we have to realize in our mind when the Bible tells us (coughs) that all things work together for good, for those that love God, you know what good is? Mm -hmm. Good is to be more like Jesus. Right? Right? And to be more like Jesus for you. You might need to be broke to be more like Jesus. I mean, let's go ahead and be honest, right? Some of us, the reason God don't give us a bunch of money, is because if we had a bunch, we'd be living like Satan, right? Some of us, the reason we may not have the best health in the world, is because we'd be out running around doing things we ought not to be, right? God didn't give you no boat because you'd be out on the lake this morning. It's for the church, right? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, at this point you do <laughs> No, I mean, that's not true. Some of y'all may have a boat. But anyway, uh, but let's look at Acts chapter 4 and we're going to see six things that the, the disciples here had to go through and it was a cost of following Christ. Let's all stand and we'll read the first four verses as we get started this morning. In Acts chapter 4. The Bible says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Let's all pray. Lord, I just pray today, God, for your unction to preach your word. (laughs) Lord, I pray that in my life, God, I'd be willing to pay the cost, Lord, to follow you. God, I pray that each one here, Lord, will be moved. God, closer to you today. Lord, if there's someone here that does not know you, God, I pray that today will be the day that they come to trust you. Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God, will be seen As we look here in this passage, even in these first four verses, there's so much here. You know, the part of the reason that they were mad, the Sadducees did not even believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They were part of the more of the ruling class. Most of the most of the same were Sadducees. And it made them mad that they were preaching something that Jesus had rose from the dead. And it was against what they believed. And so they had the captain of the temple, the one that was supposed to keep order at the temple, and the priests, the Sadducees they decided that they were going to arrest them because, as we looked last uh, week, it was the, the ninth hour of the day, three o'clock in the afternoon. They thought they didn't have time to bring them to trial today. Best thing we can do is just go ahead and lock them up, and we'll deal with it tomorrow. And it said that the, even though that Peter and John was in prison, the number of believers came to be about 5,000. So the church continued to grow no matter what was happening to the believers. And it's been said that the church thrives (laughs) on the blood of the saints as people are persecuted, The church will continue to grow you know, really, what I think it does, it just kind of calls out all the dead wood, right? Back years ago, that I worked for, he used to grow roses a lot, and he said, you know what, the key to having good roses is, is to make sure you keep all the dead cut out, right? And I'm afraid the problem in the church, in so many churches today, well, let's just go ahead and the church across America today, all of them, is we got too much bedwood in there, right? Some of it needs to be cut out so that the, the church can flourish. Mm-hmm. But as we look, the first thing I think we can see in these first verses of the six things, the costs of following Jesus, the costs of following Christ, is first, I think following Christ will cost you your sovereignty. It will cost you your sovereignty. What did it say in verse 3? And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. You know, for them, it cost them their freedom, their, their freedom to make decisions for themselves, right? And that what sovereignty is. You can decide on your own what you want to do. You know, for us today, I think we can see two applications in this. First, for a lot of people all over this world, they could be locked up in prison for what they preach and what they teach if they preach Jesus. And you say, well I'm glad we live in America where that's not the case. Hang on sweetheart, it's coming. Unless we have revival in our nation it's coming. And you may say, but God wouldn't let that happen. You know what? Honey, it's happened all throughout history. Right? Right? what makes us so special and different than believers throughout the rest of this world and some would say oh but our nation was founded on godly principles but we wouldn't know it today and if God would send his chosen people the children of Israel in the captivity what makes us think? That we're any better than them. Jesus said, look what's happening to the master. If they're going to crucify him, what would they do to us? You know, throughout history, I I was thinking, and really, I think this is very appropriate what's just happened within the last few weeks in Georgia. That I don't know exactly where everything will go as far as people say, talking about discrimination and what could happen. And, you know, the uh, religious freedom bill was vetoed by the governor. You know, for us, it really comes down to what are you ready to do no matter what the law says? You no. Know, as I was thinking about that, sometimes I ponder things, you know, just think about me. And I started thinking and thought, well, what if I was arrested for preaching Christ? You know what? One of the first thoughts that come in my mind, I'll. I, can I be honest? I'm just going be honest, right? Mm-hmm. One of the first thoughts I put in my mind was if I couldn't work, I'd lose my house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I was in prison, I'd lose my house. And you know, then the thought that came across my mind why am I any better than someone like John Bunyan? Back in the 1600s. Lived in England. (coughs) Some of y'all probably know him. From the book. Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress. But you. What you may not know. Is that because. The. Monarchy had changed. In England. And it became illegal. To. Preach. Actually, it became illegal for more than five people to meet unless they were approved under the Church of England at the time. And for 12 years, he's been in prison. John Bunyan, Baptist preacher. 12 years in prison. You say, oh, But I'm sure everything went well for him. (laughs) During that twelve years he was in prison, his wife had to try to raise four kids by herself. One of them blind. They were living destitute and in poverty. But he stood for what was right. I wonder in our life, if we be willing to give up our sovereignty, our freedom. You know, you say, oh yes, I would be. Let's take this one step further as far as application today. I wonder if we're willing to give up our sovereignty on the decisions we make. If we knew it was going to harm somebody else. You know there's a lot of things in the scripture. Paul talked to the church. And he talked about the liberty we have in Christ. And there's a lot of things people would want to argue with you about. Should you do this or should you do that or should you do that. And there's certain things that in scripture it would be difficult to say you shouldn't do it because of Scripture. Do you know what I would say? You shouldn't do it because it may destroy somebody else. Yeah. You know, part of the, the cost of following Christ maybe we don't make our own decisions just what we think's best for us. We need to consider others in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. The the issue at that day was eating meat sacrificed to idols. And Paul said in verse 9, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. <clears throat> if anyone sees you who have knowledge of eating in an idol's eating in an idol's temple, will not uh, conscience of him who is weak be embolden those things off the idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren, you wound their weak conscience, and you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. You know, for you today, I don't know of anybody, I don't know of anywhere that they do idol sacrifices in Woodridge. I'm not going to say that they don't, but I don't know of anywhere that they do. And they sell meat. And so some may say, well, I don't have, that's not applicable to them today. <coughs> I'll say this. There's some places you should not go because you're Christian. Well, I can go to the bar and I'll sit around and drink that coke, honey. Huh? You may make somebody stumble. Just being. There. Well, Jesus drank wine. Yeah, but you may make someone stumble. You know the cost of being a Christian is that there's some things we need to be ready to give up some freedoms that we need to be ready to give up. Some of our own where we think we're in charge of everything that we need to give up if we're following Christ. But not only do we see that following Christ will will cost you your sovereignty, following Christ will cost you yourself. Going on down in verse 5, And it came to pass on the next day the rulers, the elders, scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander as many were with the family of the high priest. And if you look, all of these folks really were all in one family and uh, <clears throat> Annas had been the high priest. He was taken out and Caiaphas became the high priest and it was because the Romans were the one deciding who was going to be the high priest, which was not the way God had to set up to begin with. This Alexander was probably a, a, a son, but anyway, as we continue to set and when they set them in they ask him, by what power or by what name have you done this? And you know what most of us would say? Yeah, I did a good thing. <laughs> but for them, they weren't taking self-credit. It was not about their self. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we are th- uh, this day, are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well. Let it be known to you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. You know, here they showed them, they begin to tell, it was not about what they had did. It was about Jesus. You know, for us, if we're going to follow Christ, our life needs to be about Him and giving Him credit. It's not about what good things we've done. It's about Jesus. You know, even if Skip stood up and testified this this point and said, thank you for what you've done, you know what we need to say? Skip, it wasn't us. It was about Jesus. Because I'll tell you the truth, Tim. If I did not know Christ, I would not have been helping you when your house went down. Can anybody else say amen about that? Huh? Right? It's about Him. We can give praise and glory and honor to Him. He's the one. It's not that we've done a good thing. If Jesus has done things through us, the only good I ever do is when I get myself out of the way and I let Christ control my life. Some of y'all may say, Goodness, you're awful. Yeah, I am. That's right. In myself, I'm selfish. In myself, it's all about me and what I want. But only when God works through me is his grace displayed. And some of y'all are looking and thinking, oh, goodness, he is an awful person. I wish I You know, I, I'm a better person than you. No. You're the same way. We're all dead in our trespasses and sins, aren't we? Even for a little baby, we cry on our way. It's only through what Christ has done. This the stone, This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. Peter quotes uh, out of Psalm 118, and in that psalm, it's a psalm of, of deliverance for the children of Israel, And he said, just as the psalmist said, you have thrown away your deliverance. Jesus is the only way you can be saved. And for us today, we need to realize it's only through Christ. It's only through him that we can live. But not only do we we need to, the cost, it'll cost us our sovereignty. It'll cost us ourselves. Following Christ will cost sanctification. You say, What is sanctification? I just tell you, sanctification is holiness. You know, used to, you hear people call, Well, they're a holiness. You know what we all need to be? We all need to be holiness, right? Holy rollers, Living right before God. That's where we need to be. You say, That'll hurt my feelings if somebody called me that. You know what? You ought to take it and be glad of it. Amen. Going down to verse 13. Now when they saw the fullness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Let me say one thing right here about this uneducated and untrained men. In the older King James it talks about uh, they were un and ignorant men, right? Actually these two words here the first of them means not letters. It means no letters. It was they were they did not have degrees in literacy. They were not trained to speak. And I'm afraid too many times in our world today, you got preachers stand up and say, "And hey, praise God, I'm eager I'm thinking, "Well, sweetie." you learn something, right? You know? I don't know somebody I don't know nothing. Trying to teach me something. I mean, can anybody say amen right there? Huh? Right? right? You know, for us, what we need to look at here in these verses, what, what, the, what they were saying is they were not trained in speaking. And it was not, if you look two different places, Peter's quoting from the Old Testament, he was not ignorant in God's word, right? He, it was not that actually the second word there, it comes from the Greek where we get our word idiot. But it does not mean in the Greek it did not mean anything like what we think of the idiot is today. It is someone that did not have the formal training. It never, never in the Greek uh, meant someone that was a fool, right? So, here it, they, they realized That they didn't have rank. That second were really meant it was common. They were common. And you know, for them, Peter and John never gave excuses on why they could not serve Christ. How many times do we say, Oh, I just don't know enough? I'm just, Oh, I'm just plain. You know what the folks said to them? Here, they're untrained, they're plain, they're common people. They realized that's who they were. You know, for us today, we don't need to be giving excuses on why we can't serve Christ. But it it goes on, and it said they uh, they realized they had been with. Jesus. You know, for us, I wish we'd just think about that just a minute. Do people realize that you've been with Jesus? You know, for us today, that should be one of the greatest compliments. And I wonder just as we walk on our daily life, do people realize you've been with Jesus? Some would say that they just looked and thought, Oh, I remember seeing him with Jesus. But I don't think that's what the scriptures say here. I think the way they acted. One commentary that I read, it said that those people there in the Sadducees, they sit there and they started thinking, I thought we got rid of him. Mm-hmm. Didn't we crucify him? But oh me. Here these are just lacking. Now I wonder as we live our daily life the people see that we've been with Jesus. Verse 14 and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. You know, as we see here, we're still talking about costing us sanctification, living holy lives. They they couldn't say anything because when they looked, there was the testimony of the man that was healed. And part of the reason I think the church has no power today in America is because when people see people that claim the name of Christ, <coughs> they're no different than anyone else. When here there was no the testimony was there, they had that testimony. That when the, but when they. Commanded them to go outside the council. They conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a noble miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. They could deny what Peter and John had been preaching. You know, in our life, When we talk to to someone about Jesus, do they sit there and think, I can't deny there's something different about that person. I can't deny the way he lives his life. There's something, the testimony adds up that there's something different. And You know, part of the problem I think across America is that everybody claims the name of Christ. And everybody lives like the devil. When really if we're following Christ. It should cost us. Sanctification. We need to live sanctified. We need to be living our life. Holy. Before God. As we continue on through the passage. Following Christ will cost you security. Verse 17, But so that it spreads further among people, let us severely threaten them, that from now, uh, from, from now on they speak to no man in this thing. So they called them and commanded them not to speak or uh, at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. They threaten their security. You know, for us, if we want to live for Christ and we want to follow Him, it's not always going to be comfortable for us. It's not always going to be warm muzzled up in a bed. We're going to have to get out and take some chances. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, and this is what I think in, in the near future, We're going to have the opportunity to use this verse. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Peter and John said, He declared that this is the law. We shouldn't speak. But Jesus said go to all the world and preach the gospel. And you decide whether I will listen to you listen to God. They already made up their mind. You know, today we need to make up our mind who we're going to follow, who we're going to listen to. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go Finding no way of punishing them because the people, since they all glorified God, uh, what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of the healing had been performed. You know, for them, there was people talking and saying bad things about them. <clears throat> but you know what they kept doing? Do what God wanted them to do. In the near future, we may end up looking at how threats of lawsuits or threats of going to jail. But it's sad today, the threats we fall under is they'll talk bad about me, they'll think I'm crazy, right? They'll say bad things about me. You know what John and Peter said? You go ahead and decide for yourself what's right. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Verse number 5, or the fifth thing. Beginning verse number 23. Fallen Christ will cost you being shaken. You know this right here, Just like this thing of living holy before God, this thing of being shaken. If we, what we're going to see is really it's experiencing the presence of God. Verse 23 said, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them, so when they heard it, they raised their voice to God in one accord and said, Lord, you are God. Everybody started praising God and uh, who made heaven and earth and the sea. And all of them who by mouth of your servant David said, why did the nations rage? And the older King James said, why did the heathen rage? And the people plot or imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth took their stand. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. They acknowledged that that God was sovereign in allowing Christ to be crucified. Verse number 9 Now Lord Look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. You know, look at what they were praying for. When they got together to have a prayer meeting and said, okay, and has anybody got a prayer request? Well, pray for Aunt Louise and her ingrown toad. Now, you know, pray for this. Pray. You know what they said? Pray, God, we'll have boldness to preach your word. Pray, God, that we can see something miraculous done. (laughs) Stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. (laughs) You know what they were saying? God, we want to see you work. Let's look at what he says. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know what it's going to cost us if we want to follow Christ? It's going to cost us to be shaken. You know, when I say that, On the surface, how many of us would say, "Yes, God, I would be shaken with Your presence"? You know, on the surface, I think anyone that shows up at a church would say, "God, yes, I'm coming to to see Your presence and to know Your presence." But do we really want to be shaken? Because you know, after they're shaken. They went out and preached God's word with boldness. And I think for most Christians are really like the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 20. Moses goes up on the mountain. And at first God tells them, he said, don't let anybody touch the mountain. Or they'll die under my presence. And then God comes down and begins to speak and he tells Moses, he said, this time I'm going to let the people hear my voice out of the cloud of darkness. So they'll know I'm speaking to you. And you get down to about verse 18. And the Bible says when they They heard God. It scared them to death. You know what they told Moses? (laughs) Moses, we don't want to hear God speak anymore. I'll just soon listen to you. You go talk to Moses. You go talk to God. And I'll just hear what you've got to say. Because you're a whole lot less scary than what God is. You know, I just wonder... So many times, we want to think that, that God is this, you know, holy grandfather in the sky just ready to pour out blessings. When, when you read in Scripture, God is one to be reverenced. Tremble And the children of Israel said, God, said Moses, you go talk to God. I was here what you have to say. I wonder how many of us are saying, God, I want to get close to you, but not real close. God, I want to know your presence and come to church and feel good and Shout and wave my hands, but not get too close. I don't want to get so close that I'll be shaken and changed. You know there in verse, in Exodus chapter 20, if you read on down the next verse, you know what the Bible said? When they told Moses, (laughs) you go hear God. We'll listen to you. Instead of Moses getting discouraged, instead of Moses getting mad, you know what the Bible said? So Moses just went on back to where God was. Mm -hmm. You know why that encourages me today? Because it doesn't matter what everybody else is wanting to do, you can still grow close to God. Doesn't matter if everybody else, nobody else wants to be shaken, you can still go on into God's presence. Can you imagine that day when they begin to pray and say, God, give us voice to preach your word? What if we were sitting here today in the building was called shaking? What would happen? Some people would be jumping on the pew. Some people running out the door. Or something. you know, Right? But the presence of God changed them. They began to preach His word with boldness. The last thing, falling Christ will cost you to be shaken. The last thing, falling Christ will cost you you Verse number 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that any of his things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, if we look, some are saying, "Goodness gracious!" The first part, the first five, I was wiggy, but they last thing You know, he's going to say, "I need to sell everything, give it to church." You know, you know what I'm going to say is this: We need to be willing to give up our stuff for the spread of the gospel and helping someone else. The Bible never commanded him to sell all the property and give it all away. But there was some that was willing to do whatever it took for the gospel to continue. Really what it comes down to is this. What is it that you're holding in your hand to grasp? Is there anything? You know, whatever that is, you need to turn it loose. Be ready to give whatever God requires of you. And for us, so many things that we think are so dear in a hundred years will matter It's just stuff. We need to be ready to give each other. We need to be ready to give to God. And that doesn't mean keep somebody else as a deadbeat. Mm-hmm. What we do need to be, we need to be ready to do what God wants to do. You know what if what if you got tonight? You know, what were all the stuff that you're holding on so tight to? What benefit would you do then? And you may say, oh I'm God, I'm in good health. On Friday I got a call. from Brandon. And he was asking me about doing a a memorial service in the funeral and asking some questions. And he said last week there was a family came to their church and said he said they cried for the whole service. First time they've ever been. <laughs> after the service went to them and said you know is there something we, we can help with, is there something can pray for you about and they said we just don't know what to do two days ago our son 24 years old died in his sleep. you know none of us have promised tomorrow You know what's sad? He died. Folks there, never had been to a church before. All indications, he died lost. You know, for us today, all of our stuff really matter? in life and time. Does our stuff matter when someone else to Christ? Today, what are you willing to do to Christ? Are you willing to give up your will, your sovereignty, so that you, it's not all about you and you're not making all the decisions? Are you willing to give up yourself and your selfishness? Are you willing to live a sanctified, holy life so that others can see by your testimony that you're a Christian? Are you willing to give up your security, give up your comfort? Are you willing to be shaken? Are you willing to God that God will change your life as never before? Are you willing to give up your stuff? We're going to have a time of prayer and a time of invitation. As we pray, and we say, I wish you just ask yourself that question What am I willing to give up? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need not make that decision. You can give up yourself and trust Him. Maybe God will deal with you about something you need to come pray. I'll be able to pray. Lord, I just pray. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you would show me things in my life. God, I'm not praying. Lord, convict me. God give me encouraged to turn them over. What mm-hmm. I pray is are hearing the quietness at this moment. Or did you speak to each person in this way? Lord, I pray that you would show me the cause of God. Lord, I pray we would teach you with the